As we have discovered so far in our study, Paul's letter to the Romans is hard-hitting and dynamic for us, even today. The last few weeks, we've discovered Paul's heart and purpose in writing, as well as our state of unrighteousness. In chapter 3, Paul settles the dispute between Jew and Gentile righteousness for all. In your Bible study for the week, you'll discover the opportunity available for everyone who believes in the gospel message. In order for us to understand the gravity of the salvation that's offered to us, though, we must understand our condition and our need for rescue. We look at the world around us and we see the brokenness. We see fear and destruction. We see sickness spreading and we see hope disappearing. We see fragile economies. We see our friends, neighbors, and our family become isolated, fearing for their health, their well-being, and even their job status. Many of us are left questioning the how and the why of our circumstances. You know, the reality of our current condition in the world rests in our sin nature. You see, God created the earth, and it was good. Man and woman were created, and they were good. Corruption came as a result of free will. We chose to disobey God's instruction. We find the results of our disobedience in Romans chapter 3 that we just read. Paul draws from the scripture to explain the heart of our condition in chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. We see in verse 9 that it clearly states that we are all, regardless of our background, our education, our culture, or even our current status, we're all under sin. No one is righteous. Everyone is in need of rescue. We are all in desperate need of deliverance from the sin and its consequences. We will read in a few weeks in chapter 8 how the whole of creation is groaning. Isn't that the truth today? The whole of creation is longing for a day of redemption. So as we read the rest of our scripture for today, we're going to see the heart of our condition. Look with me. First of all, we find that ourselves, that we're chasing after the wind. Verses 10 through 12 tell us clearly, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Paul here draws from Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3, to explain our condition. As we reflect on these words, here are a few questions to ponder. How well do we understand? How well do we understand our true condition for rescue? That desperate need that we have to be delivered from our situation. Many of us feel the weight of this question today. We don't understand why. We don't understand why we find ourselves in this position. We're wondering if we'll get to a point where we're in desperate need of deliverance sooner rather than later. Another question that we ask is how, diligent, how diligently do we seek? Do we even seek after God or are we pursuing other things? I know that in times of chaos, we can easily become overwhelmed, overwhelmed with our situation, overwhelmed with the uncertainties of the day, we can quickly become sidetracked with distractions that are not even productive. 
Matthew chapter 6 reminds us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We must remember, even in days like this, that seeking after anything other than God is worthless. Paul then explains how our physical presence can be a harmful force in our lives. Our speech, yes, our speech can become destructive. Look at verses 13 and 14 with me. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. Paul draws from Psalm chapter 5. And then the venom of asps is under their lips. That's from Psalm 140. And their mouth is full of curses and bitterness from Psalm chapter 10. You know, Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 12 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This is what defiles a person. That's why we hear Paul speak clearly of salvation as a connection, a connection directly between the mouth and the heart. We see that in Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our feet lead to death. See, not just our mouth, but our feet cause us destruction. Verses 15 through 17 tell us clearly. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. Paul draws from Isaiah 59 there. Think about where your feet carry you. Think about the places you go and the things that you do. Do they pursue godly things? Do they seek after the kingdom of God? You know, from time to time, we find ourselves doing idle things with our idle time. And honestly, some of us have so much more idle time right now than we know what to do with. How can these things or your time become productive? It's a tough question. Isaiah 52 declares how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. This passage is echoed in the New Testament and calls us to be aware of our opportunity. Yes, we have an opportunity even today. Even today, we have a chance to bring about good news. Maybe we're not walking on the mountains right now. Maybe we're not sharing the gospel in that fashion. Maybe all we can do is pick up the phone and have a conversation with someone. Maybe you can write a letter to someone who feels lonely. Or maybe, just maybe, you can use your idle time as an opportunity to reconnect with an old friend or an acquaintance through social media. You see, now is the time to share the gospel. The question that we must ask ourselves as believers right now is how can I share the good news of salvation with the world? It is so much more important now than ever that we spread good news of great joy in our little corner of the world. You know the world needs us now more than ever. So we've got to speak out. We've got to get busy. And finally, we see in this passage that our fear is displaced. Look at verse 18. 
There's no fear of God before their eyes. Paul draws from Psalm 36. You know, fear is running wild on the streets today. People are living in a state of panic. And I've noticed three different kinds of responses to our current crisis. People freak out, make irrational decisions. Or they frantically search for some kind of new reality or new norm in which to function. Or they completely shut down, unable to cope with the circumstances they're living in. As believers, we must be a calming force in this world. We must remind others that there is only one thing in this world worth fearing, and that's God alone. Once we understand who God is, then everything else falls into place. Psalm 14 reminds us, Proverbs 14 reminds us that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. And then in chapter 19, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it, it rests satisfied. God alone is the one we should fear, not some virus or a fragile economy or your job status, maybe even your health. You see, understanding who God is and who we are not is the first step in the process of reconciling with him. Acceptance of sin is a prerequisite of receiving salvation. Once these issues are put in a proper perspective, we can then have an opportunity to truly live our lives. We read in Romans 3, verses 19 and 20, Paul places here the law in its proper context. The law doesn't bring about righteousness. Instead, the law exposes sin. Once we see ourselves as we truly are, we know that we have no ground to question God or even stand before him because we're all guilty of sin. So as you go into your Bible study this week, you'll discover that even though your sinful state leaves you condemned, there's an opportunity for redemption. So as you grab your Bible study books, I encourage you to meet with your groups in some form or fashion, whether it's on the phone or social media, and learn, lean hard into the hope that Paul will reveal in the rest of chapter 3 and 4. In the meantime, let me ask you a few questions as we end our time together. What are you chasing? Is it time that you stop and pursue a more worthy cause? What kind of story is your speech telling? Or what about your feet? How about this? What are you afraid of? Today, run to Jesus. Let him take your fears, take your worries, and take your doubts. He can handle them. Focus your attention on how you can pursue the kingdom of God today in your life. Put your effort and energy into those kinds of things. If you're watching today and don't know Jesus, please send us a message. We would love to talk to you about your opportunity to experience true and lasting peace. Find hope and redemption from sin and suffering. My friend, Jesus is the answer for you. He gained the victory over sin through his sacrifice on the cross and victory over death through his resurrection. A relationship with Jesus will give you the strength to persevere and an opportunity to experience true life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather and worship. 
Father, I pray that your word would stand true in these troubling days and that you would guide us and give us strength. Father, move us closer to you. Give us an opportunity, Father, to study your word and to have fellowship with one another. In your son's name we pray. Amen.